Hey friends, Andy Jenkins here with Crosswinds Foundation for Faith and Culture and the Warriors on Mission Warrior Hope Project. Now here is the mission at Warriors on Mission, and I'm going to hold this up on the screen. And I know if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify, you, you really can't see this. It's, it's kind of like years ago, we were during the Winter Olympics, my dad and I were talking and said, you, you really can't listen to ice skating on the radio. You know, I guess fireworks don't actually work either. But here, here's our mission. You can't see stuff on the radio. But I'm holding this up because I think if you're watching right now, which a lot of people do, uh, it really helps it solidify it in your head. So here's what we do. We connect veterans to their next mission. And the most common obstacles that we see, we repeat this every week because it's so important, are isolation, trying to do it alone, and unresolved hurts, unprocessed pain of the past. We're going to talk a little bit about that unprocessed pain today. Here's the deal though. I think your mission matters because you have a purpose you were designed for and there are people for whom your mission is going to help reach the next level in their life. Uh, these people include several groups that we highlight. They include your family, they include your friends, they include fellow service members. Those service members are the people who had your six when you were deployed. They're also the people whose six you had, and I really believe that they still need you to connect to their next mission in the same way that you also need them. Don't do this thing alone. Now today, I'm going to show you some of the curriculum, or again, if you're listening, you're just gonna kind of listen alone, but if you're watching, you're gonna be able to see the slides and watch this thing unfold from the Warrior Hope uh, curriculum. This is a 10-week manual that we use to launch groups uh, right now where we are in the Birmingham area across the state of Alabama. We've done training in Georgia. We've done training there using this, as you'll hear in a few weeks, at the Veterans of Foreign Wars post. Uh, you got a little bit of a glimpse on that in the last episode. You'll hear about it coming up several episodes from now. We have the state chaplain on from the VFW in Tennessee. They're using this as the curriculum there. Here's really what I want to talk about today, though, is I'm going to roll you right into uh, the lesson from this manual on PTSD. Now, normally we just leave this as a group and people discuss and the leader's guide uh, really empowers the leader how to use the slides or use the book. We provide training on this. We do the training regularly. I'm gonna put links in the show notes where you can find this curriculum. You can find the video course. You can also find when the next training events and where those events are because this is something that we do regularly. And part of your mission may be to help others overcome um, those hurts and that isolation and help them identify their next mission. We're going to talk right here about PTSD and you're going to see that most people are not diagnosable with post-traumatic stress disorder. However, just because you're not diagnosable, it doesn't mean you still wouldn't benefit from some help in this area of emotional health. And so let's just kind of take the masks off, take the mystery out of it, take the blinders off, and let's just face it head on. This is just the information. I would love for you to watch it or listen. If there's a conversation that you want to have after this, our information and how to reach us is below and we would love to continue that conversation and take it farther. Here it is. This is the lesson on PTSD straight from the Warrior Hope curriculum. 
Now, the main idea of chapter two on emotional health is, is this, and, and this one's really something that sometimes, well, I'd love to know what you think about this, because sometimes people kind of get some a little bit sideways. Here it is. There aren't good emotions and bad emotions. Now, now you might have been told that there are some bad ones. In fact, you might have a list right now that you're thinking of and going, well, this one's bad, that one. Notice this. There aren't good emotions and bad emotions, only healthy and unhealthy expressions of them. Do you see that? So you can feel any emotion. We're going to talk about the place of emotions. Okay. Emotional health is a component of total health. So we're going to talk about emotional health in this lesson. Let me start it off this way. Uh, snafus, uh, you probably had a snafu in the military. Every, everybody does. In fact, sometimes in our groups, we'll actually just say, hey, uh, who remembers a snafu from the military? And all the hands instantly go up. We go, who, who wants to share one? And instantly it turns into kind of a one-upmanship of this story, and then that story beats this story, and then that story tops this story. Well, well snafus are part of normal everyday life where things just get foul up. They don't go how you planned. But snafus really should be the exception, not the norm. And as many funny stories as you have about snafus that happen in the military, the reality is most things actually work to a strict regimen, to a strict order. Well, the reality is we're going to face snafus in everyday life. We're even going to face emotional snafus where we're moving in a direction. It seems everything's going healthy for that day. And then all of a sudden it's just wham, you just feel yourself launched into a different time and space. Or you feel yourself just this anger boil up or just this frustration coming out of you. And it happens at the strangest times and places when you're at the checkout counter or when somebody pulls over in front of you in traffic or someone's just waiting too long at a stop sign or a traffic light, or when the kids say something, or when somebody left something in the dishwasher. Snafus should be the exception, not the norm. They should be. And again, here's one of the main idea sentences. This is point number two, is emotional health is part of total overall health. Now, often more in the groups, I just ask people these questions that are right here on the screen. I ask people, what do you think makes people nervous about discussing emotions? And inevitably, they list the same things that were in the quotes about the reasons we talked about in chapter number one about denying that there's something going on internally. They, they list those exact same things that we talked about when we listened to Dr. Elspeth Ritchie's quote, and we listened to a veteran from the Vietnam War, John McCarty and Joe Montabano. They, they say, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that I'll be stereotyped as crazy if I talk about even anger or, or frustration or anxiety. Like, I'm afraid that I'll be stereotyped as crazy, or I'm afraid that I'll be thought to be weak if I admit to having a bad day or admit to just kind of being in a tough spot that day, regardless of what emotional word they use. They say that I've been taught, I've been trained, even in military training, and even some of you, that, particularly some of you who are men, you realize that when you were young as a boy, you were taught not to cry. You were taught from a young age just to, to here's the phrase we often use, man up and, and push through. And Sometimes we certainly do need to man up, but many times we actually need to pause, deal with the issue so that we can continue manning up and moving forward. 
Here's another question that I often ask in the group. I say, say complete this idea. And I just want you to maybe go to the field notes in the back. Those start in page 200 and following. Just go to the field notes for this chapter on emotional health and maybe just write down your own thoughts on this. Complete this idea. I don't like to talk about my emotions. So, so this one's you. Whether it's the same issues these other people mentioned or not, I don't like to talk about my emotions. And, and your answer may be very similar to theirs. But I don't like to talk about my emotions because, and if there's a time in the past where maybe you got shut down for talking about your emotions, your feelings, if there's a reason that you don't feel safe expressing that, and I'm not saying you express that on social media to everybody. We have this cultural pandemic of oversharing. I'm not saying that at all but maybe sharing just with trusted friends, just with people that you're walking with. And if your answer is, I don't like talking about my emotions because there is no one to share those with, we're gonna actually talk about that in a future lesson when we talk about walking with other people and finding people that you can navigate through life with. But do the tough work and actually own the answer because where you are in that is not who you are. You're more valuable, that's just your location. And where you are is not where you're necessarily going to end up. We can always move forward and get to a better time and to a better place. You know, here's a great quote that I want to bring up that relates to everything in this lesson. Now, no, notice this, and this has everything to do with digging in and owning that tough answer that you, you have there, whatever the answer is. This was actually said by the man that's purported to be the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon. He says this in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, in, in the Bible. He says, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. There, there's a time to kill and there's a time to heal. There's a time to break down and there's a time to build. There's a time, now I want you to notice this, a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Now process through that with me. Just, just notice the last few right there. there. There's a time to weep, there's a time to cry, and a time to laugh. What are those two things but an over um, expression, an overflow of what's going on inside our heart? And, and then think about the next one, a time to mourn. There, there's a time to be deeply sad, and there's a time to be so passionately happy that you actually explode and your body can't contain it, so you just dance. Do you see? There's a time for what's on one side, kind of the, the bad side of emotion, and there's a time for the good side. And, and what we're saying is one's not bad and one's not good. They're all emotions, and they help us kind of navigate and own the reality of where we are so that we can move forward. The truth is emotional health is part of total health, as this point says. And, and notice, notice right here, uh, uh, we are multifaceted, multi-parted people. We, we have an intellectual side to us. We have a spiritual element to us. We have a physical body, a physical element. We have social, relational elements to us. And we also have this emotional side. And these are all parts of the whole. And, and the reality is, it, it's like this, a chain is only as strong as the weakest link. And in the same way that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, we are only as strong as our weakest area. And so if we're physically strong, but we're relationally weak, then that's gonna limit what we can do. If we're spiritually insightful, but we can't get along with people, we're never gonna share those insights with other people. Or if we're intellectually brilliant, 
and we have incredible ideas, but physically we're always sick. We're not going to get to make our mark on the world and share those incredible ideas to the capacity that we could because the chain is only as strong as the weakest link and our bodies, our, our whole self, we're only as strong as the weakest area. And so here's the big question, if that emotional area is the weak link. And for many of us, let, let's just be honest, self-included, many times that is the weak area. Well, pause with me and think, what, what would happen if we, as we put on the slide here, what would happen if we cared for wounded emotions like we care for wounded bodies? We kind of alluded to this in the previous lesson. And let's take it even farther. Like, let's just kind of look at the list here. Um, what would happen if we took our emotional capacity as serious as our financial capacity? Everybody wants to make more money, right? Everybody wants to get more in the bank. Everybody's worried about money. But, but what if we were really concerned, in a good way, about what was going on emotionally inside of us? Or, or what if we dealt with emotional hurts like we did physical wounds? We, we just mentioned that. What if we encouraged emotional growth like we do intellectual growth? See, see, my guess is if someone walked into the next family reunion that you have and they said, hey, it's an 18-year-old kid, hey, I'm going to go to college, everybody would be excited. Or if somebody walked in that was 40 and they said, hey, I'm going back to school, everybody would be excited because they're fostering intellectual growth. But what if somebody said, hey, I'm actually going to see a counselor because, or I'm involved in this small group where I'm working on this, or I'm working through this, this workbook and I'm reading and growing and learning. Would people encourage emotional growth like they do intellectual growth? What if we really, really explored what's going on inside of us, do you see? Because emotional health, point number two, is part of total health. Well, let me give you point number three. Point number three is this. Emotional health doesn't avoid the tough feelings. Emotional health does exactly what King Solomon said and realizes there's a time to weep, there's a time to mourn, there's a time for joy, there's a time for dancing, there's a time all over the map emotionally. Well, here's the issue though. Often we avoid what we term to be the bad emotions. Let me give you three reasons why. I'm going to list them on the screen here. Number one, we often avoid the, the, the bad emotions, the tough emotions, because number one, it's just neutral. We have no idea what those emotions are. I remember one time I went into a counseling session. And I was in there and I sat across from the counselor and the counselor said, hey, how are you doing today? And I said, well, I don't, I don't understand the question. And they said, well, how are you feeling? How are you feeling today? And I said, oh, I'm good. And the counselor said, good's not one. And I said, what do you mean? She said, it's not, it's not an emotion. It was a female counselor, very kind. And she said, it's, it's not an emotion. How are you feeling today? And I said, well, I'm okay. And she said, that, that's not one either. How, how are you feeling? And she was very kind, but she was pushing me to really explore what was going on with me and where I was. And, and I just kind of sat there like dumbfounded. I remember looking out the window and just seeing the trees and birds and it just, you know, just kind of getting lost into thinking, oh, oh my gosh, like she's like making me say something and I don't even, I don't, like, I don't even know what I can say. And it wasn't that she was trapping me. It was that I didn't even know like what some of those emotions are. And so she handed me a laminated, it was an eight and a half by 11 card, card stock, laminated white, had this circle, and had all of these different emotions grouped together, 
uh, kind of by category, and there were over 100 emotions listed there on that card. And she said, now look through that and tell me how you're feeling. And once I saw the labels, I was able to actually look and go, oh, okay, it's kind of in this group. Oh, it's, it's kind of right there. Oh, that, right, that's how I'm feeling today. For me, in that instance, it was neutral. I just had no idea what the emotions are. And that might be where you find yourself. You're not against emotional health. You're not against emotional exploration. You just have no idea what the emotions are. And that's a valid place to be, but it's not a valid place to stay. Uh, point number two is this, negative. So not just neutral, but negative. Our culture is really one of not talking about emotions and manning up and stifling them, particularly if you come from the military. So it might be that there's negative connotation you have with mentioning certain emotions, particularly the extremes. You don't want to be overly joyful, don't have an overly good day, but you don't want to have a negative one either. So there's this negative idea of really owning anything that kind of moves off of just kind of middle of the road. Number three is this. It's, it's really what we term as a new normal. Now, speaking with one of the veterans that's listed in our uh, list of videos that you're going to see, and, and he actually said something like this to me. He said, when we were over there, he said there was a lot going on with this emotionally. We were all really on edge. We were always anxious. We had this kind of this, this, this nervousness about us, but nobody really recognized it because everybody else was kind of in a zombie-like state too. That's how he termed it. He said, we were just kind of, we were tired because we're working long hours. You know, you're constantly on high alert. You're just kind of getting through. There's a lot to do, a lot to achieve. And he said, it wasn't until we got back and then we worked together as a group, we got around other people and we saw, wow, everybody's not like this. We're the ones that are different. And so what I'm saying is if you've endured a traumatic situation, whether it was deployment, whether it was any kind of other traumatic stress, it might be that you kind of locked into a new normal and that new normal is the pattern. So you don't have a negative connotation about emotions. You don't have a neutral. You're just kind of locked into something that doesn't quite feel right and you kind of need a way out of that. And so really, that's what this is. Let, let me define emotional wholeness for you. I'm three steps right here on the screen. Emotional wholeness is this. This is kind of our working definition. It, it means that you can, number one, recognize your emotions. That means you kind of have to know what those emotions are. And so you have to just kind of look at a list and go, okay, let me start learning what some of the emotions are. We've provided some information on that for you to where you can kind of get started. And not only do you recognize them though, but you're able to read what they say. In fact, I often tell people like this, your emotions are to your soul what physical sensation is to your body. Your emotions are to your soul what physical sensation is to your body. So you think about it like this, when you're walking into a room and all of a sudden your body feels really hot, you know, oh goodness, the temperature's a little bit off. Or when you're running or you exercise too long and your body senses this, like you're gasping for air, like that's your body letting you know, like, hey, we gotta slow down or we're gonna overload here. Or if you experience this or someone in your family has where just the side of their body gets very numb, uh, then you know, hey, this, this might be the onslaught of a heart attack. So you've got this physical sensation or you see what I'm saying? Physical sensations, if you never felt pain when you touched a hot stove, then you, you would actually just burn your hand. If you never felt like chill when it got too cold, then you might get frostbite. 
physical sensations let us know that something's wrong with our body. If your body didn't hurt when you broke an arm, you just kind of walk around with a limp. You know, like it, it lets us know that we've got to deal with the issue. Well, emotionally, our soul does the same thing. And so when we get into a situation and we feel butterflies in our stomach, that is our body, our soul telling us, hey, something doesn't quite stack up here and, and maybe you just kind of need to, to pay alert. Or when we, we have a sensation that feels joy, like that lets us know like, hey, this is a great moment. Celebrate this. Enjoy this. Our emotions are given to us, good, bad, whether they're they're not good or bad, but whether it's a joy or it's a mourn or it's a sense of peace or ease or it's an anxiety or it's, it's even fear. I heard on the radio not too long ago that fear is a liar. And that's really popular to say, but it's just not true. Fear is not a liar. Fear lets us know that something in this moment is making us feel uneasy. And the best thing we can do is not be controlled by fear, but to recognize that feeling to read what it's trying to say, and then as is the case with all of the emotions, number three, to respond in a healthy way. Do you see the difference there? Not be controlled by the emotion, not react in the moment, but actually learning to take the time to sit back, and, and you'll learn how to do this quicker and quicker as the more you do it, but to be able to respond and move forward knowing what that emotion is telling us in that moment got another slide up here for you about post-traumatic stress. Uh, post-traumatic stress, it involves mental and emotional health. Uh, so far, we've discussed mental health in the previous lesson, and now we're discussing emotional health. And so you see how this starts fitting together, and that's going to lead us into, again, not just emotional health being part of total health, but our point number four being this, is that we can actually read the signs, we can read the feelings, we can read what's going on about post-traumatic stress. And so again, what we want to do is read, recognize it, read what it says, and then respond in a healthy way. Now, watch this short clip from the Invisible Scars film, and I think this is going to help you see the emotions associated with post-traumatic stress disorder. Four main categories of symptoms. Okay, the re-experiencing symptoms, nightmares or flashbacks, where they feel like they're back in that traumatic situation. Certain sights or sounds may trigger these memories of that danger or stress. They're the avoidance symptoms. This is where someone will do whatever they can to avoid anything that reminds them of that trauma. They may want to avoid riding in a car, watching certain movies, or being around certain people. They don't want to talk about or even think about anything that brings up those hurtful memories. Then the negative feelings. This is where someone may be extremely depressed. They may have angry outbursts or just not be able to control their emotions. They may be fearful of others or unable to trust other people. And then the fourth category, the symptoms of hyperarousal. This is where someone just can't relax. They can't concentrate. Everyday sounds will cause them great anxiety and sleep becomes overly difficult. Those were so concise. I want to put them on the screen again here for you, and I want you to be able to look through those and just notice again, it results in fight or flight. Now, some people actually say, well, post-traumatic stress results in fight, flight, or freeze. Well, freeze is really a flight. It is a not doing something. So you either face it or you hide from it because it's this external threat that's out there. And emotionally, things start swelling up and you start feeling you start feeling hypervigilant. 
you start re-experiencing symptoms. Like th this is goes back to that triggered idea that we spoke about in the previous lesson. You you might want to avoid. You you might have these sense of negativity, and you might not want to move forward. Well, remember in the previous lesson uh, we discussed valid reasons, and we're discussing now that there are valid reasons why people don't want to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder. Even if it's undiagnosable, why they don't want to deal with post-traumatic stress. But the reasons to check yourself are even greater. The reasons for getting help far out exceed anything negative that could happen because you choose to walk in health and wholeness, in other words. So if you look in your book on page 57, there's actually a self-check. And what I want to encourage you to do right now is just pause the video and take a couple of moments and just work through this. This will take you about two or three minutes to do and just work through the 10 questions that are right there and just answer all of those. It's just for you. Nobody's going to check your answer. And you'll notice that sometimes, you know, six months from now, you may feel a little bit different than you do now. So this is something that you can do in an ongoing way. Just as you assess yourself physically and go get a medical exam once a year, you could actually emotionally assess yourself very regularly as well. And I would remind you, as we discussed in the previous lesson, that emotional health, it doesn't necessarily fall on a you have it or don't any more than physical health is healthy or not healthy. <laughs> Let's face it, physically, there's always room for improvement for all of us in multiple areas. Just because we don't have a cancer diagnosis doesn't mean we're 100% healthy. Just because we don't have a broken bone doesn't mean we're 100% healthy, or just because we're not overweight doesn't mean we're 100% healthy. The same is true emotionally, and so when you answer these questions, remember, in order to get a diagnosis from the Department of Veterans Affairs, veterans had to answer affirmatively on all 10 questions. However, just because you answer affirmatively on seven and not on the last three, or because you're affirmative on eight and not two, just because you're not diagnosable doesn't mean you wouldn't benefit from some degree of emotional health. In other words, you might want to write this down because this is a super important statement right here that I'm going to put on the screen, is you can still be affected even if you don't receive a diagnosis. So the goal here, again, is not to get a diagnosis or to avoid a diagnosis. We just want to be honest with where we are so that we can walk forward and be the best possible version of us. So the goal, again, not to get a diagnosis, is just really helpful to assess where you are. And the reason for that, let's just put these two lessons together, is mental health, the thinking right, as we discussed in the previous lesson, and emotional health, feeling right, as we're discussing now. And not just feeling right, and not just believing the right things, but actually being able to sort through our thoughts and sort through our emotions. That's what we mean by that. That results in right living. And, and again, this is so super important that I want to just highlight this again to you. The goal is not to receive a diagnosis. The goal is to honestly assess where we are, where I am, where you are, and then for us to walk in health. And remember, it is absolutely okay, totally acceptable, totally encouraged to get help. Well, with that, let's roll into the story of a veteran that we've quoted several times already in chapter one and in chapter two. This is a veteran from the Vietnam War, John McCarty. I went off to war and it left a scar on me that I don't understand. And I need help to work through this. Because where I woke up one morning and my primary responsibility was to kill and destroy. Now, 
that's not what I'm supposed to do. Now I'm supposed to protect and nurture, and it's a whole entirely different ball game. But yet society expects us to go in war, kill, kill, destroy, come back home, change clothes. Hey, it's like it never happened. No, it happened. And it's still happening internally. And until we learn how to deal with it. And it's hard to relate to someone who has been there. Let's put it like this. If you don't have the t-shirt, a lot of us don't feel you don't have the credentials to talk to me. You can read all the books you want. You can have all the degrees. You can have all the names, all the letters behind your name. But you had not been there. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what it's like to actually look down a site and pull the trigger to kill someone. We know that if someone go to war and they fight side by side, there's a relationship, there's a bond built that is hard to describe. It's stronger than being on an athletic team or something. You've been in a life or death struggle with somebody, and there's a bond that's made. You know this person is willing to give their life for you. You're willing to give life for them. So it's a real tight bond. And I watched a team, male and female, who went to war and came back, and they go back home to their spouses. They can't relate. They can't talk. The wife is in my office, and my husband can't talk to me. And all of a sudden, Ian walked somebody. He was in a war zone. And they strike up a conversation like they oh, just having a blast. And the wife is sitting there dumbfounded like, what's going on? When we be so macho that we don't talk about it, that real men don't have mental problems, your man don't even get sick, where do they turn? Uh, so some way, somehow, we have got to say real men do talk. Real men do get help. Talk about the invisible scars in my day. You just flat didn't do it. You was a man. You manned up, you took it, and you went on. You know, the culture in the military, you don't get sick. If you go to sick call, you know, you, what's, you know, what's going on? So you, if you don't get physically sick, how much harder is it to admit something going on mentally? So that the culture was not there for a man or even a woman to discuss, hey, there's something going on up here. I, I don't understand. I don't know how to relate. We saw it. We knew it was happening. But we just went, went past it all. Oh, you'll get over it. You'll get over it. You'll get over it. Understand something. Anyone who go to war never come back the same. Uh, you can lose yourself. And we willingly put our lives on the line feeling that we can, we can do all these things. And we come back and the emotional scars or something that we have to learn to deal with, and we can. Part of survival is having something to do. In the U.S. Army, every day you keep waking up, you're in the war zone, you know. Okay, I hope that made it really accessible 
for you. As always, I want to give you my three takeaways for the week. Here's number one is soul health is part of the whole. So it's easy to understand that we have physical health, spiritual health, intellectual health, relational health. We also have this area of emotional health. And in the same way that a chain is only as strong as the weakest link, we as people are only as strong as our weakest link. So you may be physically tough right now, but if you don't deal with that emotional area, if there are hurts, there are wounds there, that is going to be the point that is going to hold you up. Here's point number two is slow down. You've got to slow down if you want to deal with the deeper issues. Our pace of life is so quick, it's so rapid, there's so many things going on that really in order to address the deeper issues, you've got to stop being so quick, you've got to cease being so busy, particularly if that busyness is unintentionally or intentionally keeping you moving so that you don't have to think about those issues. Now, certainly it's appropriate to have diversions. It's appropriate to put things off to the side and put them out of your mind and have healthy alternatives that you can move towards. But at some point you've got to actually carve time and space. It doesn't have to be all at once to deal with the deeper issue. That leads me to point number three here. This observation right here is that you're not flawed. If you are dealing with some of the symptoms of PTSD or even undiagnosable post-traumatic stress, let me remind you that you're not flawed. Those responses are normal and they prove that you're okay. A lot of what you see, sense, and feel, you think about it, if you've been deployed, the things that you're going through are natural responses to the trauma, to the time, to the experience that you endured. It would be unhealthy if those transitions, if those experiences did not affect you. The fact that they actually have affected you, it shows that you're normal, there's no shame, let's just deal with it and let's just walk through it. All right, so again, the emotional health theory, it doesn't prove what's wrong with you. It actually shows and highlights what's right about you. Here's what you can do. If you got something from this, I would love for you to leave us a comment down below if you're watching this on social media or if you're on YouTube. If you would subscribe, that would be helpful to us. Also, if you would share this with someone that might get something from this, whether you share it publicly is up to you or whether you just privately send them the link, please do that to someone whom you think would benefit from this information today. We'd love for you to subscribe. We'd love for you to rate the show. As always, I'll be back again next week. I'll tell you exactly what's coming up next week. So I'm looking at the calendar right here just to, oh, I'm going to be speaking with one of my friends that is actually using this curriculum across the state of Tennessee in the Veterans of Foreign Wars outpost. Chaplain Andrew Farrer. All right. That's exactly how you say it. Andrew Farrer, a Marine. Okay. I'm Andy Jenkins. I'm signing off here at Warriors on Mission. We exist to connect warriors to their next mission. The obstacles that we most often face, their isolation or unprocessed pain and hurts from the past, we really believe that we've got to move through that because you have an incredible purpose and there are people who are depending upon you, family, friends, and fellow service members. I'll see you again next week. Mm -hmm.